Good day. Welcome to Life Smash. I wanted to start off the podcast today in a way that I haven't before. I wanted to start off by praying for everyone listening and pray for our country. And as I do this, I know this is a recorded message, but I think anytime we pray and we pray together, irregardless, um, even if it's recorded and you listen to it six months from now, um, just uh, pray as I pray. I'm going to open up in prayer and I'm going to talk to us about a subject that I think is very necessary for the hour that we live in. So we'll begin here by praying. God, our Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name today. And Father, I thank you, Lord, first of all, for saving me. And Lord, I thank you for saving uh, and having your Holy Spirit uh, deal with our hearts and convict us and save us. And Father, at this hour in our country, I pray, God, for a great Holy Ghost revival to move about our nation and our churches, our personal revival. God, I ask that you'll help us, Lord, in this day and time that we live. And I pray specifically, Lord, for each individual that may be listening to this podcast. I ask God that you'd uh, touch the hearts and lives of each person. And Father, that you would do what only you can do. God, that you'd comfort us. God, that you'd give us courage. Lord, you care for us. And Father, I thank you for your care and your concern that you have for us. And Father, I pray now you'll you'll bless the word of God as I read it. I pray that you illuminate my mind, Lord, to help me to understand. And for each person who's listening, Lord, illuminate the minds of these people. God, that they can see and understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Out of Hebrews chapter 13, I wanted to bring up just a, a message, uh, pretty much just a, a three-point literated outline here, if you will, on brotherly love. If we look in the book of Hebrews um, chapter 13, of course, uh, the book of Hebrews, I think, is a very in-depth book. Uh, it's, it's in some places, it's hard to understand. And I'll admit to you, I don't understand the entire Bible. I have read it numerous times, but I don't understand all of it. Uh, and I don't think there's any man, if he's honest, that, uh, would say he understands all of it. Uh, but here in Hebrews is a, is a very in-depth book, but, and of course I believe, um, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote the book of Hebrews. There is some question about that, but I believe that he did, uh, which would make it the 14th epistle of, of the apostle Paul that he had written in the New Testament. But I believe he did. That doesn't have any relevance on, on uh, my message today. That's just a little sidebar, a luthology, if you will. Hebrews 13, we'll begin reading in verse 1. Uh, Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as a bond with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversations be without covetousness 
and be content with such things as ye have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forevermore. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have no profit, uh, have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the camp. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifices of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. I want to bring out three things from these 16 verses that I read. I want to bring out the secret life of the believer the social life of the believer, and the spiritual life of the believer from this chapter. This chapter begins with, let brotherly love continue. I want to say it like this, brother love. If you are born again and you have the, the Holy Spirit within you, he puts within our heart love, puts in our heart love for one another. Now, that's not to say that you won't get upset with someone, you won't, you know, have a disagreement or a few cross words, but you love your brethren. And of course, uh, Jesus said, how will the world know? Or his disciples asked a question and Jesus answered, uh, how will the disciples said, how will men know that we're your disciple? And he said, by your love. Uh, it is, it is, uh, the characteristic of a Christian that you're not self-absorbed. You love the brethren, you love people. Now, if, if you know me, you know, I don't wear, you know, stripe on my, on my sleeve of, you know, love, love, love. And, and I'm, I'm, I love people, but, but I'm not one of these, um, affectionate guys. I, I don't go and hug and all that kind of stuff. I've never done that. That's just not my personality. But my love is shown by, I will do whatever I can to help you. If you need me, I'll be there. Uh, but I'm not going to say I love you 10 times on the phone when I'm talking to you or, you know, I, that's just not me. If, if I say I love you, um, yeah, that's a, you know, I'm not, I'm not really that kind of guy, but you can know that I love you because if you need me, I'm there. I'm going to do whatever I can to help you and I'll help anybody. And I think over the years, uh, the Lord has 
used me to help many people and and it's what I want to do is help people, which is a part of why I have this podcast. I, I want to help people understand the Word of God. I want to help people get closer to Him. I want to help people lead them to Christ that they can be saved because uh, the Lord Jesus first loved us and that's why we love Him and His love has been shed abroad in our hearts. So brother love, uh, brother love, uh, the, the secret life of a believer is the love that's in our heart. And as he said, verse one and two, uh, be not forgetful to entertain strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Now, I won't get into angelology and things of that nature here in this verse, but uh, he said in verse three, remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. One of the uh, characteristics of a, of a secret believer's life is that you love people, you care for people, you want to help people. You, you, when you meet a stranger, and of course I've always said about my wife, she can literally go into the grocery store and come out with 10 new friends. She's, she just has that kind of personality, just nauseous, really. I mean, she, she's just so sweet, and everybody just draws to her, and she's kind. And I wish I was like her, but I'm not, but I'm good to people. Uh, you know, I'm, she's very approachable. I don't think I'm very approachable. Uh, I try to be. But some of us have our own personalities, but we love people. And he's saying here, um, remember them that are in bonds. Remember them that are in bonds. And of course, I, I thought right away when I was reading this chapter about our political prisoners of the hour that we have in Washington that have been in there since January. These political prisoners of, of this communist regime that has taken over America and these people are held in the in the jail, in the prison, if you will, up in D.C., and they're in solitary confinement, and I've heard that they're very abused, and, and they get uh, one hour a day, I think, of sunlight. I heard that they were uh, malnourished and in, in, in bad physical condition because they've just been abused in this, in this jail. I do pray for these people, and I ask that you pray for them, that God would intervene, and everybody is entitled to due process. Whatever your opinion of, of opinion is of, of January the 6th, uh, that's your opinion. But we need to pray for these people. They're in bonds. They're suffering. And all they were doing was exercising their constitutional right to go and support their president. Uh, and they were arrested. Uh, yes, some of them may have done some things that, that, uh, weren't right, but why were they arrested and, you know, 175 different events took place worse than that over the past year and nothing happened to those people. But anyway, that's a little too political, but the secret life of the believer, the secret life of the believer is a commitment to Christ. You are committed to him you seek his will, you seek his way, you search his word, and you live for the Lord Jesus Christ. I can think of as John the Baptist, 
He uh, prayed that he would decrease, Christ would increase. Uh, he saw his strength was the Lord Jesus Christ, not himself. Uh, so a commitment to Christ, a compassion that we have because the Lord Jesus, when he was on this earth, he had compassion on those who were sick. He had compassion on those that were hungry. He had compassion on those that were lost. He had compassion. So the word, the very word Christian means Christ-like. So if we ask him, if we're committed to him and we ask him to be, uh, we be more like him and less like us, then we'll have compassion, uh, character. Uh, a part of the secret life of a believer is character. And I've always heard that character is not what you do in public, but character is what you do when you're alone and nobody sees what you do. Now, we can split hairs on that definition if you'd like, uh, but character, we have to have character. Um, I've, I've been writing a, another book. I've written several, I haven't published them, uh, but it's just more or less a therapeutic thing. But I was in, a, in my book, it's about the home. And I was thinking of what my kids taught me because uh, you know kids do have an impact and an effect on your life and I was thinking about my kids you know my kids taught me just like I taught them and I was thinking my daughter taught me compassion and my son taught me character uh, my son he he emulated everything I did as a as a child and growing up whatever I say he would say it whatever I did he would do it so that made me work on my character because I had somebody, a little mini me, who was doing the things that I did. And, and I realized that, you know, I was a role model and an influence over my children. But character, character is important. And that's a part of the secret life of the believer. Number two, the social life. Verse four, he talked about the social life of the believer. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. And of course, we could, we could stem over into character also into this verse, but the social life of the believer. There's a way that we need to interact in society. Uh, nowadays, the, the, the church is worldly and the world is churchy and you don't know who's who because we've broken down the barrier of holiness we have uh, basically added to God's word and perverted versions, which has weakened the word of God, watered it down to where nobody has that, that uh, respect in society, that character in society and in their own home. I, I know that divorce is a bad thing. I know people who've gone through it, uh, but it's a shame that I think statistics are about three out of five, maybe higher than that now, uh, people in the church get divorces. Well, I want to ask you this question. If you're sitting in church, you claim to be a Christian, you claim to know the Lord, and you can't work out your relationship with your wife or your husband, and, and you commit adultery on your wife or your husband, and you claim to have the truth, what other, whatever, what other help and hope is there for our society, if we that are in the church act like those who are lost and don't even know Jesus, and we claim to know Jesus and claim to have character, and we claim to be committed to Christ, what in the world is the world going to do? I mean, because we're supposed to be 
our our social uh, life, our our social uh, standing in society is we're supposed to be a Christian. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be holy. We're supposed to know the Lord Jesus Christ personally, and we're supposed to follow him and his will and his word. And we don't even do that. We're not honorable. We need honorable people. I mean, Washington, D.C., Nancy Pelosi stands up and quotes scripture, and she's she's probably the most wicked, evil person in Washington. We're making a mockery of the word of God. We're making a bringing a reproach to the name of Christ whenever we say we're a Christian and our social life looks like everybody else's. There is no difference. And Paul's using the marriage bed as one that is the most honorable place. It's marriage, in marriage. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you uh, these, these uh, macho men in marriage, you know, dominate their wives. And I don't blame some women for not, I don't blame any woman for not putting up with some, some brute beast who thinks you're going to dominate a woman and she serves you. And man, that's a bunch of rubbish. But he's saying the marriage bed is honorable. We need men who are honorable. We need men who will be men. We need men who will stand with their family. We need men who will stand and fight for their family. And I don't mean fist fight or in the street fight. And I mean fight the, the, the demonic forces that are trying to tear our families apart, trying to tear our churches apart, trying to tear our country apart. Stand and be a man. Stand on your knees and pray and be what we should be for our families. Be honorable. Be faithful. Faithful to your family, faithful to your wife, faithful to the Lord, even faithful to yourself. But faithfulness, we don't have that anymore. Be loyal, loyal to your to your family, loyal to the Lord, loyal to your church. Be be faithful to that church and loyal to the people. Be dependable. People count on you. Long suffering the social life of the believer. Thirdly, the spiritual life of the believer. Verse five and six, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Let your conversation, let your actions, let your, your uh, navigations through this life in your home, in society, uh, the spiritual life of a believer in our person. He said over in verse 15, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. The spiritual life of a believer begins with, well, knowing the Lord. Because you're not, you don't have a spiritual life if you don't know the Lord. But he's letting us know that in this life, and, and I believe that I believe that God gives people the ability to to get wealth. I believe that. I believe that that God 
allows us, if we're faithful to him, I believe that he'll allow us to get wealth. But he's saying here in this verse, let your conversation be without covetousness. Don't look at what your neighbor has and want it. I, I was I heard someone just this week talking about uh, someone, and I won't say specifically, that they always look at what other people has and they say, well, I should have that. Well, if, if you think you should have that, then you don't covet it. You just pray and you ask God to what his will would be for you and you just do what you're supposed to do in life. And, and, if, and if God so gives you the ability uh, to get wealth or to get certain things, then you'll get it. But he says, don't covet and be content with such things as you have. For he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So the spiritual life of the believer is that we believe in the divine providence of God. God is sovereign. He's over everything. He created everything. He's watching everything. But his divine providence in our life is Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good to them who love him and are to call it according to his purpose. So we we know that whatever state we're in, Paul said therewith to be content. And he's telling us here, be content. For the Lord has said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, I want you to understand in this verse, the, the um, commitment is on, is on his part. The burden is on God in this verse. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Did he ask you to participate in this? Did he say, well, if you don't leave me, I won't leave you. No, this burden, he put this burden on himself. I will never leave you. And he went further to say, when, 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 when your husband, your wife, your child, your family, your friend says, I won't leave you, and they end up leaving you. He went ahead and said that I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So when you get in trouble, and then times when you when you maybe did something you weren't supposed to do and you think, oh, well, nobody should stick with me now. He says, I ain't going to forsake you. Even though you're not what you should be, I ain't leaving you. That's uh, Southern language right there. I ain't leaving you and I'm not going to forsake you. I'm with you and I'm committed to you. That's hard to fathom. The spiritual life of a believer your spiritual life is supposed to be edified and built up on God's word. And God's saying to you and to me, every believer, every born again child of God, I will never leave you and I certainly am not going to forsake you. Because we all do wrong. The Bible tells us in Romans that the only reason we love him is because he first loved us. Romans uh, 3, Romans 5, Romans 6 tells us that while we were yet sinners, he commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going to just drive this home while I'm here. If you're saved, you didn't save yourself. If you're saved, you've done nothing. Jesus did it all for you, for me, and he drew us in. He even gave us the initial faith to believe. And when we believed on him, he saved us. He sealed us to the day of redemption. He's with us, and he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. So you got saved by him. Uh, 
Peter says that uh, we're kept by the power of God. Uh, he's saying here, I'm never going to leave you and I'm never going to forsake you. So the spiritual life of a believer depends on the Lord Jesus Christ 100%, nothing about us. But he is saying to us over in verse 15 and 16, commit your person to him. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. So he wants our person from verse 15 and 16. He wants our praise with the praise of our lips. You praise him. Now, I've had a lot of discussions with people about praising the Lord over the years. There's different people, you know, adopted different styles and different ways. But from your heart, pass through your lips. If you praise God, you can do it in any way you want to. As long as you're praising God uh, in the church, out of church, on your job, in the car, just praise God. But he wants our person. He wants our praise. He wants our purse. The things that he's given to us, Paul talked about in Corinthians that upon the first day of the week, let each man lay in store how God hath prospered him. Now, I don't preach tithing. I've never preached tithing. I preach giving. I don't believe that there's the old storehouse principle, the Old Testament, where you bring it into the storehouse, because if we follow that tithing principle, you, you can bring up a, a tenth of the watermelons that you produced out of your field. You can bring a tenth of the flock that you uh, raised up in your field. You can bring uh, a tenth of the corn that you raised. I wouldn't mind some Silver Queen corn, but according to that principle, but this is, Paul said upon the first day of the week. What happened the first day of the week? Well, Jesus was crucified on the third day he rose, and the third day was the first day of the week. Remember the Bible says in Luke that upon the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went down, or Mary went down to the sepulcher and met the, the angel and said, he's, he's arisen. That's the first day of the week. So upon the first day of the week, every Christian around this world, on that first day of the week, which is Sunday, we go to the designated place where Jesus said, go meet him. And we go to worship a risen savior because he's arisen. The angel said, he's arisen. He's not here. We go to worship a risen savior. And on that day, the Bible says, lay in store how God hath prospered you. If you love God, he's going to get you a person. He's going to get your praise and he's going to get your purse. You're going to support the church where you go to worship him. You're going to support with your purse. You're going to give God if you get your paycheck. Now, I'm not telling you to give a tenth. I've, I've never done that in 34 years of preaching. I've never said anything that I can remember. It's not been my practice, but I have preached about giving. And over the years, I've, I've, I know some good people that have given. And there's also some that never give. And that's okay. I'll never, in fact, I'll just tell you how I operate. I never handle the money. When I've pastored a church, I have a treasurer, assistant treasurer. Uh, we have the secretary, and they manage the money, and I've always told them, never tell me who pays here and who don't. Because as a man, it may set a precedence on me. If you pay more, when I'm preaching, I may have a little tendency to not direct things towards you because you're giving a lot of money, and we need money. Or if you don't give much, I may have a tendency 
And I'm a man. Any any man would. May have a tendency to, you know, maybe not help you as much because you don't ever pay tithes. I don't want to know who pays. I don't want to know. I just want to show up and preach. And I want to do the things that God called me to do. And handling money ain't one of them in the church. Now, I've handled my own money, got businesses. God's blessed me. Uh, and, and I've always pretty much paid my way even in churches. But God will get your purse. He wants our person, our praise, and our purse. And he talked about performance. But to do good and communicate, forget not. So doing good in our life, the performances of our life. Just do good. Have such good works that people see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now works don't get us to heaven, but I think it was James who talked about uh, showing you his faith by his works. But he's not working for faith, but he has faith. So he demonstrates his faith by his works. So the performance of our life. Let me hit verse seven. I'm about 30 minutes in. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried about with diverse strange doctrines, for it, it, is, it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Verse 7 He's talking about spiritual leaders. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. I'm going to tie verse 7 and 8 together, and I'm going to conclude. I'm just going to say, remember them that have a rule over you, those who preach the word of God. Now, I'm going to say it like this. When he talks about uh, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. I don't believe God's ever called any man to, to stand in a pulpit and be an under shepherd in essence of uh, a little Lord haha over God's flock. We're not to submit to a preacher in essence of because he's a, he's the preacher. We're supposed to submit to that spiritual life as a spiritual leader. God's given that pastor, that preacher, a position of a pulpit over parishioners through the power of the word of God. The word of God is the authority, not that man in the pulpit. And I've been in the pulpit for 34 years. And if you look at your flock, at your of, of your parishioners, as you're over them, I, 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 that's wrong. We are the spiritual leader of people. We're to seek God, we're to search the scriptures, and we're to, to stay uh, on our knees and ask God how to lead these people, just like Moses did. And he said that Jesus Christ the same yesterday, 
today and forevermore. I want to conclude with this. Jesus, 1900 years ago, as he walked on this earth, we observed his character. We observed the person of Jesus Christ, his attributes as God in the scriptures. He's not the same now. His character is the same. His person's the same. His attributes are the same. But he's not on the earth walking around in Jerusalem now. He's not going to Calvary to be crucified. He's in heaven. He's in, a, he's in heaven, and his place now is in heaven. His place is uh, the right hand of God, and he's there to see that we have a great high priest to intercede for all who believe on him. But he hasn't changed in his approach to men. His place has changed. His position is he's now our great high priest. But he's not walking on the earth in Jerusalem. He's not subject to the elements. However, I'll say this. Deity came to humanity in Christ. And Christ took humanity back to heaven because he came in flesh. He was, he was God in, incarnate. When he came to this earth and was crucified in a body, he died for us. He shed his blood for us and he took humanity back to heaven. And that humanity is he feels everything we feel. He understands everything we go through. When you cry, he cries. When you laugh, he laughs. When you're in trouble, he feels your trouble. And I say the spiritual life of a believer is there are times in your life like like a Roman says, we could cry, Abba, Father. There are certain times in your life when you're in so, so much of a problem and so much trouble that you feel in your soul and you know at that moment you can cry, Abba, which is Daddy. And you have that relationship. And that's because Jesus came to this earth and died. God in flesh, deity came to humanity because humanity was lost and lost forever, separated from God. But deity came to humanity, and now humanity is sitting in heaven in Jesus Christ. And he ever lives to make intercession for everyone that believes on him, to save us, to seal us, to secure us, and to take us all the way to heaven. And he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, never. And for this reason, we could say the Lord is my helper. In this day and hour that we live, let brotherly love continue. Love your brother. Love your enemy. Love Jesus and know that he is with us and he's never going to leave us and he's never going to forsake us. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore.